the series finale of Netflix's Castlevania was almost maddening. There were so many strange twists with things built up for the future that I was not ready to let this show go. And if you've seen Castlevania Season 4 and you'd like to get more clarity about the unexpected ending, then stick around. Hi guys, I'm McGann as usual, and welcome to the Fangirl, where it's fantastic when a 90s franchise grows up with its audience. If you don't know the Castlevania series, you should click away now before the big spoilers start. But to do a quickish recap of the show, season one was Dracula plotting revenge after religious zealots murdered his wife Lisa, who was a human. Season two deals with Dracula waging a war with all of mankind and bringing many foreign vampires in on his plan to save some humans in breeding camps and then kill off the rest. However, Dracula's son, Alucard, which I shamefully must admit I didn't realize that name was just Dracula spelled backwards, gets together with Sypha, the magic-using speaker, and Trevor Belmont, the last heir to a monster hunter family dynasty. And they try to stop the slaughter of humanity. Team Alucard does win, but only because Dracula leaves his insanity in a lucid moment and lets his son kill him. But Alucard is left alone as Trevor and Sypha wander off to be nomadic heroes. Then season three, to me, is a bit of a mess. We have multiple stories going on all over the place and none of them come together. It's really more like a half season though, with Forgemaster Isaac building an undead army to avenge Dracula, Hector being taken hostage by a quartet of vampiric sister wives, Alucard doing absolutely nothing of value. I don't know, being lonely is his story arc, I guess. And then there's Trevor and Sypha running into the scholarly San Germain and learning about a secret plot to revive Dracula. Season four is a bit odd too. Isaac goes through a lot of effort just to change his mind and become a happy king, while Trevor and Sypha show up just in time to help Alucard defend his castle after San Germain takes it over to open up the infinite corridor where he lost his his supposed girlfriend years ago, but um, that girl clearly doesn't want to be recovered there, buddy. So maybe just leave her be. But wah wah. San Germain was duped by a vampire-like entity that goes by death. And death once Dracula and Lisa resurrected into one hermaphroditic body called the Rebus. And the idea is having two souls trapped in one body will make them both go insane and then they'll kill everyone so that death can drink up all of that non-life juice. All because death is essentially salty that Dracula's war to kill all humans didn't go as planned. But Trevor kills the nightmare fuel body housing Drac and Lisa, then ends up killing death and presumably himself. Of course, that doesn't stick because the dying San Germain is implied to have reopened the infinite corridor which Trevor was blasted through as death exploded. And while that was a suspicious escape from death as Trevor was shown to be incinerated on screen, that seems to be what genuinely happened in the show with no other subtext or implications to make us really think that Trevor is a ghost or ghoul or anything else. Although, personally, 
personally, I wonder if Trevor might have absorbed some magic or an ability that blew out of death, and that's why he was able to reform his body. But then the next part of the finale makes Trevor's return even stranger. In the last few minutes of the series, we see a mysterious couple checking into an inn, and it turns out that they're Lisa and Dracula, somehow alive and back in their original dead bodies. And maybe you could find a way to get Dracula back in his body, but Lisa? She was just a normal human. So what could have really happened here? Well, when their souls were taken from hell and put into the nightmare vessel, we do see their spirits fly out as their vessel is cut in half. So it stands to reason that their souls are now trapped to wander the earth since they've already been taken out of hell. So maybe they don't have a way to get back there. But how did they get bodies back? There's no clues or explanations to cover this and it has genuinely left me going crazy. Then I started to wonder if the ending really was Dracula and Lisa coming back from the dead. Truly, the first episode of the series was so encased in Dracula's suffering that when the actual protagonist, Trevor Belmont, appears, you're already so emotionally invested in Dracula that Trevor only feels like a side character for the rest of the series. And even though we're not supposed to want Dracula to succeed, we can also kind of see his side enough to secretly hope he wins. Or, you know, at least find some sort of closure for all of that pain he's gone through. So ending the final episode of the series by giving Lisa and Dracula time on screen, it really does make sense. There's a poetry to it because this story was initially established as a love story. And that desperate star-crossed desire to be together or to get vengeance for the person who took your love away is really the driving force for everything that happens in the first two seasons. So what better ending could happen to two dead souls who are taken from their misery in hell than sending them to heaven? And we do have some clues and in the finale that could lead us to just this conclusion. For starters, in the scene right before we see Lisa and Dracula together, Trevor's explaining the dagger he used to kill death and how it was made by a dark wizard who wanted to use it to murder God. He literally says God, which means in this universe, heaven is likely real, especially since hell is an established location. Trevor also douses the rebus with holy water right before he kills it. So let's think about that. New body, inhabited by two souls, gets a holy water splash, or basically a baptism, and then gets killed a few seconds later. Well, isn't that technically a newborn that was just saved? So that soul couldn't go back to hell if it wanted to. The Rebus was also alive for such a short amount of time that it had no chance to do anything even remotely negative, so there was nothing to condemn it back to the underworld, which means where else could they go butt up? Then when we have Lisa and Dracula back together and living, they're explaining to each other why they can't go back to the castle yet because Alucard deserves to have closure and peace. So instead, they're going to travel and just be together low-key and happy. And they fall asleep holding hands in a way that seemed very still, dark, and dead, and in front of a big window with no kind of covering. Dracula is still a vampire, 
right? At least he looks like one. So, uh, isn't he gonna die sleeping out in the open like this? I would think so, because we know that's what should happen, since Lenore just died very quickly from sun exposure earlier in that episode. But Dracula is unconcerned about that, and he's just content to lay next to his wife. Now, maybe the window's facing a way that direct sunlight would never come in and hit them in bed. I can't say for certain, but they don't even discuss it, which makes it stick out more. The final nail in this proverbial coffin is the exposition of how Lisa and Dracula return to life. They don't know, but they very directly say that they woke up yesterday on a bank naked with no time frame given. Then the couple stole some clothing, which is usually taken off a line before it gets dark, and Lisa had pickpocketed someone that afternoon. Dracula speaks of it as if he were there watching it, but it was in the afternoon. And okay, while the word afternoon has some discrepancy on the time frame, it generally refers to anywhere from noon to 6 p.m. when the sun is usually still out. Now, could that verbiage have meant that Dracula watched Lisa rob a guy from inside a shaded building? Or that Lisa just told her husband about everything later? Possibly. But then why not draw better attention to a detail like that? Just like the window, it comes off kind of strange to not talk about it. It's almost like there's a subtle hint that Dracula was out in daylight and hadn't even found it worrisome or strange. And judging by the rest of their conversation, they're still mentally processing everything that's happened to them, so they may not even realize that they're dead. After all, what we saw of hell just looked like some disheveled landscape that you could find in any rundown area. So who's to say what a happier afterlife would look like? Plus, with everything that happened and how badly Drac took his wife's death, why wouldn't there be some kind of conversation about making Lisa into a vampire soon? Even if Lisa refused, it would at least be an option to talk about. Just one line of, it broke me to lose you, so if you would ever like to become a vampire, my dear, let me know. You know, something, anything. But why would the series open up the return of Dracula and Lisa if they weren't going to deal with it or explain any of it? Well, because those happy few moments were not really the pair returning to life, but a glimpse into going into heaven where they can get back all the time they lost. I guess you could also argue that this could be purgatory, which is considerably a step up from hell, but I also think that the baptism would keep purgatory out of the picture. Yeah, I know the rebus didn't say, I accept Jesus into my life or whatever exactly you're supposed to say when you get baptized, but neither do any of the unborn babies that they do it to, so um, if the babies count, Dracula and Lisa count, just saying. And of course, we could go with the video game answer that Dracula is just reborn every few generations, but there are enough discrepancies between the game and the show that I think this heaven theory works well here. It might not be reality, but theories are more fun. Well, family members, we're almost done, but I want to invite you to hang out with me in some other places. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as my own personal self, and I have a Facebook page too, but I mostly just post photos over there. And sometimes people say, hey, McGann, I want to mail you something. How do I do that? Easy. Just click the About tab on my channel page, and my most current P.O. Box info will be right there. I also run another channel, The Family. It's 
really a hodgepodge channel where we might post anything. Oh yeah, and I also sell shirts and stickers and stuff with the family and the fangirl logos. If that is your cup of tea, I have a link in every description of every video. Finally, if you want to help out the fangirl channel and make sure I'm putting out video essays for years to come, the best way you can help is by subscribing and watching more of my videos, whether they're new, old, whatever. Maybe even share one or two on social media, help spread the word. People who watch to the end of videos like you helps to tell the site, hey, this is a good video, we should recommend it to other people. So if you made it this far, leave me a comment of something like, hey, I made it to the end. Love ya. See you next time, family members. Bye.